forced to to, to drive and, and force, it, it can be good, it can be bad, but to drive you, to maybe constrain you, or to necessitate or even pressure you uh, into doing something. Uh, what, what are some of the things? I, I would think that sometimes at work your boss uh, could compel you. I, I think that um, <laughs> the need to survive uh, would compel us at times. I think sometimes duty uh, can uh, compel us. Uh, loyalty, I believe, can compel us at times. And sometimes I believe also that uh, fear uh, can be a compelling force in, in our lives and trying to drive us to uh, do certain things. And and I, I've, I know I've been preaching here lately on on controlling the mind and the battle for the mind and and we know that that there is a there is a great struggle uh that that is going on and uh but i i think through all of this that we still just need to keep our minds directed on uh what god is compelling us to do uh in our lives has, has he ever compelled you i uh, I know of several times where I've been compelled by Christ. I, I, I've uh, awakened at night, and God has uh, pricked my heart and woke me up, and uh, in my heart, knowing that Lord, I need to do business with you. With you, I went to bed thinking something, or mad, angry, or whatever, or there's something that God brings up, wakes me up, and and I get on my knees and confess that to God immediately, and I believe that's being compelled by God. I, I think that there are, there are times when he has compelled me to give something up. He has compelled me to um, uh, do things that, that I ought to be doing, and, and uh, one, one thing that he compelled me to do years ago and, and has been very hard, but as our kids have grown and, and uh, gone out on their own, he has uh, compelled me that you, you gave them to me years ago, and so he compels me to make sure that I've left them on the altar, that they're God's. They're not mine, they're God's. And uh, I'm telling you, for those of you who are young enough that you still have kids at home, you have one shot at this, okay? And so do it right. Do it the way that God tells you to raise your children and be honorable and biblical and godly in how you're raising your children and you will see God uh, bless you in that and realize that he's only given them to you for a period of time and they are his and you are a steward of those kids and so train them up in the way that they should go. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I, I want to give thought to... The, the, the situation that our world is in today, our society, and the challenges that, that we are dealing with, our, our children at school, they are, they are dealing with issues now that we had, didn't even think about in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, and definitely before that too, that's when I was in school, and, and um, but, but we see some real challenges in this world today. And I was reading some things through this week, and 
God laid it on my heart that I, I want this to be encouraging to believers today, but I want it to be a warning to those that do not know Christ. And so I pray that it can be that today. But Paul writes in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11, the first part of that verse, he, he, he uh, writes this and he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. One thing that, that our world needs is that we, we have all kinds of loud voices today telling us about the things that we as uh, Bible believers and disciples of Jesus that we ought to accept today as normal and, and, and acceptable behavior. And uh, we, we have loud voices that are trying to tell us uh, how we ought to conduct our worship services, how we ought to behave as as believers and things that we ought to do and things we ought not to do. The world is trying to dictate that. There are loud voices that are trying to di dictate those things to us, but we need to allow the voice of God to be just as loud as those voices that are out there trying to um, uh, uh, convey their message and trying to sway people from from uh, what they ought to be doing, we ought to be compelled to stand for the Word of God. We ought to be compelled to preach and teach the truth of God's Word. We ought to be compelled to stand in a, in a wicked world and stand against the, 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 the stream and the direction that so many are going and stand up and hold our hands up and try to grab as many as we can and compel them to trust Christ as their Savior. Oh, the world is in need of Jesus today. The, the world is in need of, of the love of God. The, the world is in need of the holiness of God. The world is in need of a perfect word that never, that, that never alters, that never wavers, that never changes. The, the Savior that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and the world needs that. And, and I do believe that as we see the, the craziness that's taking place in our world today, that, that it's just a, a shot for us over the bow, telling us as believers, now is the time, if you are going to stand, now is the time to stand. Now is the time to be telling others about Jesus. Now is the time to be telling them about something that, that this world knows, obviously knows nothing about. And so quickly, just in a few minutes here, I want us to look at three things, and this is going to be a series for a little while. We're, we're going to get in far more depth in this as we, as we go and, and dealing with some things. But the first thing that I want us to give thought to is, if you know Christ is your Savior, this is the believer's condition that we are in. Turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and... And here Jesus is writing this and telling the, the, the disciples that really, in my own words, he's telling the disciples, your world is getting ready to turn upside down. You, you, are, you are getting ready to see some things that you are not prepared to see. You are going to be challenged in some ways that you, you, you really, even in all the teaching that they had had with their Savior for these last three years, that that he's telling them that you are going to be shocked at what's coming uh, during this day. And they were. 
and they faltered, didn't they? And and we know that they 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 were shocked at watching the 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 horrible way that their Savior treated. But but in this chapter, and and I do believe that all of this is brought back to their mind after Jesus was crucified on that cross. But especially John chapter fourteen, dealing he's dealing with his death. And he's dealing and preparing them for that day that they're going to see him hung on that cross. And, and he tells them this in John 14 and verse 16. And he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you the, the, the disciples. But this is also for every believer that every believer that trusts Christ as their Savior, he shall give you another comforter. That word comforter means someone that comes alongside and will help you. This is someone that is a helper, that he's an intercessor, and, and he is one that, that is going to come and take the place of Jesus in the presence of their lives. And so we didn't have the privilege of walking with Jesus physically like they did. But here he told them, he said, look, I am going to leave, but God is going to give you another comforter, one that is just as good as he was, that, that, that uh, is going to be with you and be a helper, and that he may abide with you forever. So our condition as a believer, we need to understand that we have the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, is indwelling our lives and will be with us forever. There's no condition here that he will be with you forever unless you do this or unless you do that. doesn't say that. He tells us that if you are in part of the family of God, you have placed your faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that that is the cure for sin today that, that will allow us into heaven is his death, burial, and resurrection. And he ascended to heaven showing us that he is God that if you will place your faith in what he has done and in what he has done only, he will give you eternal life. And not only does he give you eternal life, but then he gives you the comforter who will abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. He'll lead you to all the truth. Uh, this world is so full of liars today. I mean, you, you can't, it's hard to do business with someone. You don't know, uh, it, you go... You go buy a house, and you've got you to fill out a book of all the papers that you sign showing that you're going to be a person of your word. We, we have contracts everywhere and all the things that we're doing. And yet, I mean, my wife just got a new cell phone, had to sign a contract, you know, for the, uh, for the, the you know, the, the iPhone or the Samsung 52 Elite XL with a pin, you know, and carries this phone around that's about this big, you know, and it's good for those who are half blind, <laughs> but we see that God has made a contract with us, and he's sealed that contract that whenever you call on Christ and trust him as your Savior, that he gives you the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, and the third person of the Trinity is dwelling in the hearts and the lives of every believer. Turn over to 1 Corinthians and 
chapter 3 and, and verse 16, and, and it shows us because of that we have some responsibilities in, in, in the believer's condition, and, and it tells us in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians verse 16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And continues to dwell in you. And so now, if you know Christ is your Savior, then you have the very Holy Spirit of God who is indwelling in you. And, and you ought to allow Him then to lead you, guide you, direct you. Let, let Him make your identity and who you are. And let Him make the decisions in your life that you need to make. When, when it comes to making decisions, you need to be praying, Lord, here, here's what's in front of me. And do I do and what is the decision I make and as you grow in your faith and as you grow in your knowledge of the word of God and and you grow in what the Bible has to say and understanding that you might not have to spend as much time praying about it but because you can see that well I know the decision here is very simple the Bible says this and if I do this it's against the Bible so I'm going to make this decision and do this according to the word of God and but you're going to be praying and seeking and understanding that that this body, this very physical body that we have today, is the indwelling place today of the Holy Spirit of God. That's awesome. But it's also a great responsibility. And so what do we do with this dwelling place of the temple of God? And that means that, you know what, we need to do things that represent God, not represent the things of the world. Let's do things that are honoring and pleasing to Him. He goes on further over in chapter 6 here in 1 Corinthians, and, and he tells us in verses 19 and 20, he says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You know, he said that, told them that, because these guys in, in Corinth, when he wrote this letter, they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll find out that Paul was coming down pretty hard on them because of the carnal lifestyle that they were representing, and they were not representing God. They were not representing what a child of God ought to be doing, and 1 Corinthians is a scolding. Okay? And, and here, he's with this exclamation, and uh, have you ever been there in this world today where you're like, what? I mean, every day is a new day in the circus. I mean, you read things, you think, what? Can this, can this really be happening? I mean, can these things really be seen as normal today? That Really? I mean, I, I just, you know, for the longest time, Dwight would send me stuff, and he'd end it with SMH. I'm like, what in the world is SMH? I have no idea. I mean, the things you can think of when you're sitting there thinking, what does SMH, you know, what does that mean, you know? Is he cussing in a Christian way? You know? And finally, I realized, shake my head, you know? And I can see Dwight doing that just, oh, you know? I mean, we catch ourselves doing that all the time anymore. And, and you just shake your head. And, well, that's, I believe that's what Paul was doing here when he, you know, and instead of, I, I don't mean to, uh, be this in a disrespectful way instead of using the word what he could have just put smh oh shake my head at what you guys are doing okay and, and and here that and here he wasn't talking about the world he's talking about the church he's talking about believers he's talking about those that know christ and he's like what 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. Look, we're not our own. Whenever we trust Christ as our Savior, we're his. We're his child. We're his servant. And we are here at his disposal to do what it is that he wants us to do. For you are bought with a price. And it was a very heavy price that was paid. It was the only thing that could truly pay the price. The death, burial, and resurrection of his son. He had to give his son and watch him die to take away his wrath because of his holiness. And so we see that those that will call then upon Christ, you have the Comforter who will dwell with you and be with you forever, but you also are the temple of God and you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that spirit is your God consciousness, okay? Before you go do something, you're going to ask God, how can I use this to honor and glorify you? When you go to work tomorrow, God, how can I honor and glorify you in what I'm doing today? When you kids go to school tomorrow, God, how can I honor and glorify you tomorrow? How, how can you, those that are in sports, how can I use that to honor and glorify you? Those that are in organizations, God, how can I use this to honor and glorify you? What, whatever you are doing that you need to be asking yourself, God, how can I use this to honor and glorify you? And we, we need to do that. We need to do it all the time. I, 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 and I think it's great how God gives you great opportunities to honor and glorify him and do things that are fun while you're doing it. I mean, I don't know how many times that, that, that I've been out uh, uh, and years ago, I haven't done it for several years now, but I used to uh, work with some ranchers, and, and Guy and Sherry, they're not here today, but go out and help them and others, and I don't know how much counseling I've done riding on a horse, just talking to someone. I, I love how God has already allowed me to, to minister to people while I'm sitting out on my boat. Oh, I, I just love that. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's great. You know, I, I'm I'm going to call. I'm going to call. I'm going to call the boat visitation. And I'm going to call my fishing pole Teresa, so that I can say that I'm with Teresa out on visitation. <laughs> but you see, the believer's condition. We we have such an awesome responsibility. But when we give thought to this world, we see that that it's totally different than than who we are, and the world needs us. Look over, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is what he tells us, and, and I've been asked many times, do you think this is the end of days? And I, I, don't, I don't know what, I, I believe, yes, we're in those last days, but in God's mercy, in God's grace, his long-suffering, look, he's put up with people for 2,000 years. And they've been knotheads every generation. Now, it seems like we have taken a nosedive. The whole world has taken a nosedive over the last few years. And so, uh, it's, it, it, logically, it's closer today than it was yesterday because it's just time, you know. There's going to come a time when God's patience runs out and, and he says, that's enough. And, and he's going to, to bring upon a horrible wrath upon this world. And we will see that. That's what we're going to get to. But, but uh, here we see that 
Before that, things have to continue to get worse. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this know also. And that's a command and, and an exclamation. He's saying, know this, okay? You need to know this. You need to pay attention that in the last days, and in these last days, this could be those last days that we're talking about, perilous times shall come. Perilous has the if you're in peril, you're in danger, right? I mean, it's dangerous, it's violent, it's, it's hard to deal with, and, and we're getting to more of that. I, I had a friend from our church that sent me a message this week. There's a church in, in, in uh, California that has, uh, they took a real hard stand years ago in their town and, and, uh, um, to honor and glorify God, and they did that, and, and this past week somebody went in there and destroyed the building. I mean, ransacked the whole place, tore it up. I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this because our press does not tell us this. I, I know that that th this was a study that the Catholic Church did, but since Roe versus Wade has been overturned, over 60 Catholic churches have been either set on fire, burned, vandalized, or threatened, or not just threatened, but carried out, okay? Over 60 of those churches, over 100 Caring pregnancy centers have been vandalized, burned to the ground, harassed, harangued, threatened, and, and some kind of vandalism done to them. You haven't heard any of that from the world, but that is what's happening. And the churches are being challenged, and, and ministries are being challenged that are going to stand up uh, against this world. Look, there, is more, there are more people dying today, being martyred for their faith, today than there ever has been in any generation we don't know that we don't hear much of that we we have people who are praising uh, uh china you, you go in there and try to, to to start up a church somewhere and see how well that works for you go into russia and try to start a church there and and see how hard it is to get that done i mean we i know missionaries that are there now and and they have said that that if anyone gets on Facebook and, and stands up against the fighting in Ukraine, they are threatened with the loss of their life for even just speaking out against it. And so here we, we, we have these things that are, that are going on. There are perilous times. I mean, the church shootings that we have in our own country, that, that crazies are coming in and thinking that, that they're going to shoot up and kill a bunch of innocent people. Shame on them for thinking that, and shame on them for doing that, and, and it's a shame, but, but I just want you to know, you can come in here, and you can worship safely, and, and we do have a team that if some wolf tries to get in here, they will lose their life, and they'll meet their maker, their creator, and they'll have to deal with it in front of God. But you're going to be able to come in here and worship safely, and know that we're not going to allow that kind of uh, atrocities to come in here and happen and think that we're not going to do something about it. And so, you know God set up the government to administer his wrath. Did you know that? It tells us that in the scripture. And when the government chooses not to do that, they're no longer, they are no longer blessed by God. When they're a government that will not do that. And so here we see that it's perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Are we not living in a selfish, horrible uh, state of mind today? Live differently, okay? Live differently. Ask God to help you to live in a way where you think on others instead of yourself all the time. You might find out that a lot of your anxiety might go away. You might find out a lot of your stress goes away. You might find out that some of your discouragement will go away. Your disappointments will go away. Because no longer are you so self-focused on, your, on only the things that are happening in your life. And start focusing on what's going on in others and how you can help them. But oh, we're taught to be lovers of their own selves. And covetous and covetous to, to, to be greedy. And it's to be greedy for money. Look, you need to remember that it's the love of money. God says this. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. All evil. All you got to do is follow the money. Don't let money have that kind of control over you. And so here, we, you don't have to be crazy with it, you don't, but, but don't let it have any kind of control over you in any way. God said, I'll take care of your needs. If you seek my kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. I will give you a place to live. I will give you food to eat. I'll give you clothes to wear. I'll take care of those things. You just seek me. Seek my kingdom. You do the the works of righteousness, and you'll find that God will always give you everything that you need. Don't fall in love with the money. Boasters. Boy, do we not every Sunday. I, I, the, the, uh, the, the Neanderthal, Neanderthal Football League, you know, every time we, we go into an a end zone, we beat our chest and act stupid. Now, now we've even got it in baseball. You know, I love the day when if, if somebody played baseball and they hit a home run against Nolan Ryan, if they even gave him a smirk, he was going to get bean the next time up. I love that. You better walk humbly or you're going to get a 100-mile-an-hour fastball right in your spleen. I, I just like that that kind of thing, you know. The human now they're doing all, you know, they do their little dance at home plate. I'm still old school, and I'd still want to bean somebody, you know, and and or just bean the next guy that gets up, so that that guy before he gets up to bat, he's going to make sure that guy humbly touches home plate and walks back there because you don't want a sore spleen, right? But here we have those that are boasters and and proud, uh, uh, arrogant blasphemers that that are blaspheming God and mocking God and mocking those who who serve God disobedient to parents you ever given thought to that parents you ever given thought that that's the way of the world that when you allow your child to be disobedient to you and not show you the respect that you should have because you are their you are their parent you are not their friend you are their parent. You are not their friend. You are their parent. You are not their friend. Now, my kids are out of the house. They're my friend. But I'm still their parent. And believe me, when I see something they're going to do foolish, I'm going to tell them. Whether they listen or not, it's up to them then. But we need to understand that if you allow your children to be disobedient to you, and not accept the authority that God has placed in their life as you as their parent, they will never look to God for their authority. Oh, how we need to get... How many teachers could say amen to that? 
really. I, I mean, it, it's shameful what we allow our children to do anymore. I, I mean, what would you do, or wonder what the school would do, is if they call you up and say, hey, little Johnny is being disrespectful. And you tell them, well, take him outside and spank his little butt. Diane would be like, amen. You know? <laughs> Others would be like, 911. 911. <laughs> what are they doing to that kid? You know, God gives you warnings. God gives you warning. You, you leave your child to his own, and he'll bring his mother shame. I mean, and, and, and the, the destruction that comes. Okay, that's enough of that. And some kid, I just heard him say amen back there. Some little guy, I heard the cry. Yes, he's agreeing, Mom. He's agreeing, Dad. Disobedient to parents. It's in God's Word. I mean, unthankful. I mean, people think that we're, we're in a world today where they think that everything needs to be given to them and, and they deserve it. Uh, to, to be honest with all of you, we don't deserve anything but hell. But God in his love and his grace and his mercy has extended that out through the death of his son. The, 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 the plan of salvation is so freely and easily given to us because of the payment that he paid for us. And, and oh, how we ought to live our lives every day grateful and thankful for the things that God has given us. Oh, how truly thankful we ought to be. But instead, the world is unthankful. They're unholy impious there is no there there, there is no uh, thoughts of god and as a matter of fact if they are of god it's all unholy thoughts and disobedient thoughts and reprobate thoughts that they don't want to do anything that god is showing them to do without natural affection and it, it's an unfeeling towards one's own children we see that so often today too where where people have gotten so caught up in their desires and their wants and their careers that, that the children have become uh, a, a problem in their lives and, and a distraction for the things that they want. And so now we make our children throwaways where, where if you become pregnant, you can just kill the baby and, and, and don't have to deal with the, the, the inconveniences of that child. Or, or if you, you think that your careers are so much more important, you just shove your children off into uh, expect the, the teachers to, to raise your children or they come home and you expect the computers to raise your children or the TV to raise your children. And no wonder we're in such a mess that we are and without the natural affection. Let us be careful with that. And truce breakers, those are uh, any of those that are, that, that they uh, lie all the time never hold true to what they say they're false accusers they're when someone is incontinent it means no control right they have no control over their reactions and over their emotions or over anything that they're doing they are fierce when you think about fierce we're talking about savage brutal people how often do you read in the paper i mean over the weekend i i, I usually read account Every weekend, 10 to 20 people are shot in Chicago. Every weekend. Last year, over 800 people were killed in Chicago. 
probably 4,000 were shot, just didn't die. I mean, savage that people are today. And, and so we, that, that's what he's uh, talking about when uh, we see fierce and despisers of those that are good. The hatred that we have for law enforcement today. The hatred we have for anyone who stands for authority. Uh, traitors, those who are uh, betrayers, those who are heady. And uh, heady has the idea of just being reckless in all the things that they're doing. And high-minded, conceited, puffed up, and so proud. And lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Oh, they having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And what does he say? But from such, turn away. And then you go over to 2 Timothy 4, and it tells us in verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're, they're not going to want to hear what God's Word has to say. And, and much of the world is that today. And, and, and it tells us that, But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, they're going to get those that will tell them that everything that they're doing is okay. And, and as a matter of fact, they're not going to just get people to say that it's okay. They're, they're going to make laws that say that you must say and you must agree with us that everything that we are doing is okay. Are we not there today? I mean, do we not see all of that today in our world? And and so where are we at? Does this compel us? Does this compel us to, to give in to what they're trying to tell us to do and what we are to accept and what we're to say is okay and what we're to say is not okay? Are, are we willing to do that? Are, are we willing to give up the truth and the righteousness of God and, and give up what the Word of God says that, and say that, hey, these things are all okay? God's Word just isn't relevant today. No, we are compelled to stand for the truth. And here's the rub, though. We need to stand for the truth in love. We need to stand for the truth, first of all, because we love our God, our Father, our Savior. And so we're going to stand because we are compelled to obey what he tells us to do. But we're also going to stand because... We love people enough that we're going to tell them the truth. And so we tell them the truth. But we're going to tell them the truth in a gracious manner. How we do it. That's where I struggle. Sometimes when you have somebody that comes up to you and, they are, and they're very flagrant in what they're doing and they're trying to tell you that you're going to do and this is how you're going to act and this is the kind of pastor you're going to be or this is the kind of believer you're going to be and and you want to take the word of God and 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 I'm, I'm being very transparent here and you want to roll it up into a big old scroll and you want to grab them by the jaw and open their mouth up and go yeah <laughs> doesn't work very good though most of them choke on it and then most of them are kind of mad at you after you do it that way now, I think there are times if you are confronted that you stand, and they might accuse you of being mean in what you're doing, but you still stand and you still tell them the truth. But be careful. But here, that's the unbeliever's condition. A lot different than the believer's condition, right? 
And the last thing, and we'll be done, I just want you to look at some verses here because this is going to lead us into what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks in 1 Thessalonians, if you would. Turn there, and so right before 1 Timothy, you have the two Thessalonian books. And so 1 Thessalonians and, and uh, chapter 1 and, and verse 10, this is what it says. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The wrath, the one coming. This is an explicit wrath that he's talking about. This is an explicit moment in time that still yet has not taken place. This wrath that is coming is going to come upon all those who do not believe. And it will be horrible. It will help us to understand what he was saying about the terror of the Lord. He also goes on here in Thessalonians, look over in chapter 5 and verse 9. says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking to believers, but I also believe that, I think it goes to everyone. I think God has appointed a perfect plan for everyone. And I believe that it's been laid out and that if you and your will would, through conviction of the Holy Spirit, come to Jesus and trust him as your Savior, that he can lay out the perfect plan that he has for you in your life. But in all of this, for those that are definitely believers today, he has not appointed you to the wrath. Another explicit and restricted wrath that he's talking about. A moment of time that is coming. You see, there is the impending judgment. There's the believer's condition. There's the unbeliever's condition. But there's also the impending judgment that's coming. I end with this verse in Revelation chapter 3. Here, writing to a church, warning them and this is what he says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's a very specific time. Which shall come upon all the world. And so a universal time of judgment. To try them that dwell upon the earth. See, he said that he keeps us from that. We're saved from that if you know Jesus as your Savior. If you don't, then what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks will describe what you will see. And it'll be a horrible time. And so what compels us today? I mean, we, we can let the attitude of the world compel us to have a bad attitude too. And be just as hateful as them. We can be compelled to get as unrighteous as they are in our behavior and act out like they do. Or we can be compelled by the terror of the Lord to tell people about Jesus. Jesus is the answer. 
and what is coming one day, and is, are these the last days? I don't know, but the perilous times are here. I just don't know how perilous it will be before God says that's enough, but perilous times are here, and in the last days we see those who have heaped teachers upon them that tell them that all is good and peace, peace, when there is no peace. I, I mean, we have all of that, and so what do I believe? Well, I believe that we need to be ready, and we need to be prepared for the trumpet to sound, and we'll see that in the next study, but we need to be prepared for that day and, and know that we have been saved from that wrath to come. Because of that, let us take as many as we can with us. Take them and understand the joy and the peace that only God can give. Don't play games with God. God knows your heart today. He knows right where you are today. And you know what he tells that church later on? We, we get down to, to verse 20 in Revelation. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to a church. He's talking to a local church of believers or or professors, and, and here he's saying that here he is knocking on the door of that church. He's on the outside. You know what I say? I say that there could be some that are sitting here today playing church, but God's on the outside, and he's knocking on the door. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him, and he with me. You know all you have to do? By faith, open the door of your heart. Trust in Jesus as your Savior. Not only does he give you eternal life, not only does he give you joy and power to walk in this, in this day and age in a way that is honoring to him, but, but he also gives you a joy and a peace in knowing that we will not see the wrath of God. Well, how good is that? How good is that to know that we are forgiven and our home is in heaven? Can you tell me today, yes, I know that my home is in heaven. And you can, you can give me that scripture or you can tell me why you know that based on what the Bible says. Then praise the Lord when the trump sounds, we're out of here. They can have it all. But if you can't say that, why? Why wait? Fix it. Fix it today. Christ is knocking at your door. Open the door and let him come in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would be compelled to tell others this week as we have opportunity, encourage them to come and to truly understand the sweet love of Jesus and what he's done for us. Father, I pray that you would save them. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us that know, our, know Christ as our Savior today, that, Lord, you just keep our minds on you and not let the world just pressure us into doing things or thinking things that we just shouldn't. But help us to be what we need to be. And help our minds to be where it needs to be. And, Lord, Give us the compassion and the love for others that we need so we can tell them the truth. I pray that you guide us and direct us and work in our hearts and 
Lord, if decisions need to be made, that, Father, they will do so, even as we're praying right now. Father, that we'll all walk out of here closer to you than we were when we came in. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 546 in your hymnal, if you want that, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just an opportunity to make sure you've done business with God. Before you get out of here, there's something that needs to change in your life or something you need to do. If you need to trust Christ, let's get it settled before you leave here today. But let's stand and sing that first verse, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. God bless you. Good to see you out today. Don't forget, you need one of these books, How to Get Through What You'll Never Get Over. You have a loved one that needs one, grab one of those on the way out. And uh, let's just go out there and let's be used by God. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. And uh, love for you to be back again tonight, 5 o'clock, choir tonight at 4. And so just uh, love to see it. It's a great service, evening service, just a time families are together and uh, just uh, just a quiet, quiet evening service, and, and it's a real blessing. So you come on out, and uh, let's uh, go out this week, and let's be used by God. Don't forget these. Remember to pray for one another, and uh, let's lift each other up, and let's encourage people throughout the week. God bless you. You're dismissed.